Um, tonight we're doing things a little bit differently. If you haven't been here normally, Andy or I will uh, teach a lesson, but it's really encouraging, I think, for all of our hearts to hear from the Lord in a different manner, and that's through testimonies of his children. And so tonight we're going to do that. I also wanted to mention, along with those Bible studies that we announced earlier, we announced those things because we want you guys to be in fellowship and discipleship. We don't want you to think that if you're not in a Bible study, you're not doing anything or you're not leading anything, but we want you to be connected. We want you to be discipled by someone in here. We want you to be in relationships with people so you're not out on the edges or on the phrase of things trying to do it alone. Um, so tonight's about testimonies. Tonight's really about Christ. But as these testimonies are given, I want you to think of these as the testimony of God through men and women. These are not just Chase's testimonies or Chase's testimony of Vernice's or Anthony's or um, Jennifer's or Stevie's. This is God's testimony through his mouthpiece of man. And uh, we pray and have been praying that they'll point you to Christ. So let me pray and uh, then we'll introduce the, the folks that are coming up. Father, how quickly it is for me to, how easy it is for me to rush quickly into prayer without thinking or appreciating who you are. Lord, thank you that we can sing and that the cross is really wonderful instead of wretched and and uh, and despised. Lord, thank you that you were despised and so that we can also take up our cross and follow after you even if it means being despised likewise. Father, we pray that through the testimonies of men and women tonight, you would be pleased that you'd be pleased to speak through them, that you'd be pleased to point others towards Christ. Lord, if there's some here that don't know you, Father, show them their sin, cause them to come near to the cross to repent and believe. Father, for those that do believe and that are following you, would we grow closer to you? Would we grow to love you more? Would we grow to be more intimate with you? And would we be conformed to the image of your Son? We pray this only in his name, Lord. Thank you that we can pray. Amen. Uh, the first person that's going to come up is Vernice, and Vernice is a dear sister of mine in Christ and a, a wonderful friend and someone who many of you know we're lucky and fortunate to have around. Uh, the second is one of my dearest friends in the whole world. He's uh, been there to support, encourage, and pick me up and pray for me. Uh, one of my bestest buddies, Chase Young. And uh, then after that, Stevie Berkland is going to come up and share the testimony of Christ and what he's done and is doing in her life. Uh, I got to watch Stevie grow up in the small town of Highwood and now become a woman who follows after the Lord. So, um, Bernice, if you want to come up first. Um, well, as you said, I am Bernice Mullet. Um, I'm going to stick with the paper because, as some of you might know, I can get a little winded. Um, <laughs> I am what some may call a perpetual learner, meaning that I've, I've been in college for five years, going on six, Lord willing, graduation in the new future. Um, I've gathered many experiences and friends from MSU Bozeman, MSU Billings, and Montana Bible College, along with gaining encouragement from the people of Grace and Cross Life for five years. Despite those scholastic endeavors and solid biblical communities, I've allowed laziness and procrastination to reign in my life for a really long time. It is so easy to convince myself that those are some of the lesser sins. I also used to hide behind my shyness. <laughs> Although some of you are thinking, what, you shy? 
Um, but I realized that is just another form of pride and selfishness. I tried to take the sins of my life and simplify them to such an extent that they seem not as bad as they really are. My laziness and procrastination go hand in hand. They are the flip side of the same coin in a sense. The interesting thing about laziness or that coin is that it rarely means that you're just sitting there doing nothing. Well, for some of you, it might be, but it means that you are substituting the things that you should be doing, the better and more appropriate things, for the things you shouldn't be doing, and then will not bring God glory. I'm one of the many stories you have heard of people who are raised in a Christian family, brought up to go to church, taught to read the Bible, and expected to pray the sinner's prayer, but that didn't save me. Salvation doesn't come from mere association or genetic ties. Surely, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation, Isaiah 12, 2. I realized that I needed to make a personal commitment to Christ. I learned that when I was about 12, but I didn't actually understand how that should affect my life on a daily basis. I mean, I should be good to go, right? Uh, I asked the Lord in my heart, and that should save, my, save me from hell. Basically, I wanted spiritual insurance. The Lord called me. I responded, but I didn't change. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't that I was ignorant of my shortcomings. I knew my sins. I know what my sins are in my life. It is like what Tanner said last Friday night. I needed to prioritize, but I wasn't being obedient. I knew I should have been reading my Bible more. I knew I should have been praying more. I knew the things that I shouldn't have been doing or saying or thinking. It says in 2 Timothy 2.19, Everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. I did not flee from wickedness. I did not pursue righteousness. Think of that word, pursue, pursue. It is the complete opposite of laziness and procrastination. Laziness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle man will suffer hunger. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of conduct will die. Proverbs 19, 15 through 16 says, I asked the Lord into my, to come into my life, but I needed to choose to obey. I struggle with that. Obedience doesn't come easy to me. That is why God put people like my mom, my sister, and my cousin into my life. Because he knows I need people in my life who can demonstrate obedience in their lives. And it isn't because it is easy or natural to them, but because they and I love the Lord so much that we must obey. I'm reminded of the song, Come Thou Fount. Its words are true in my life. Um, this is from the third um, stanza, I guess. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Bind my wandering heart to thee. The only way that he can bind my heart is when I spend time in his word, consciously handing over my life daily to his will, asking him to take control. I can't do it on my own. I need his word to teach me how to obey him. I need to spend time with him. I cannot make the excuse that I am too busy because I know, and he for sure knows, that is merely my laziness and my selfishness. 
that is preventing me from spending time with him and obeying him. First John 5, 3, 4, 4. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. That is the wonderful thing about Christ. The more time I spend with him, the more time I want to spend with him, and the more I want to show my love through my obedience. Thank you. Thanks, Bernice. Um, for those, I'm gonna go with her strategy. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm uh, Chase Young. I'm from a little slice of heaven called Augusta, Montana. Um, uh, I grew up on a ranch and farm there, and uh, yeah, I'm just really blessed to be here. So, um, my pursuit and understanding and knowing God began when I was probably around five. My mom consistently read the Bible to me, told me about Christ and what he did for me. And at age six, I remember praying in my bed to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. Although I prayed this, I lived my life looking like everyone else, everyone else in the world. I don't think I was yet changed by Christ. The remainder of my childhood up into high school could be described as a boy who tried to do all the right things, but never sought to know God more. Once I got to high school, I began to realize that the emptiness I had in my soul that never could be fulfilled. I had a couple of people close to me who claimed to know Christ personally and that they had experienced incredible joy in knowing him. I remember asking myself, if that's, what I, if that's what it's like to know God, I don't know him. I had called myself a Christian and acknowledged that he existed, but I knew very, very little about him. I wanted this relationship with God that they claimed that they had. So each morning before school, I began to read my Bible. I was captivated by the teachings of the gospel and challenged by his truth. During this time when God was revealing to me, I began dating a girl in my high school. My girlfriend undoubtedly became an idol in my life. And without boundaries of our relationship, with, and with the only boundaries of our relationship was don't have intercourse, it quickly turned lustful. Satan was distracting me from the God I was growing to love, one of, my passes, one of the passages that God used to convict me of my sin and show me the need for a surrendered life to Christ was Luke 9, 23 through 25. This is Jesus saying, And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Although I was convicted of my sin, I was unable to give this lustful relationship up to the Lord. Eventually this girl and I broke up, and everything in my life became gray and bland. Nothing was the same. Sports weren't the same for me. I was tired all the time. And about this time, as I was continuing to read uh, in John fourteen twenty seven, Jesus said, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. I learned that nothing could take the, the place of Christ in my life like I tried to do with my girlfriend. At the same time, a few male Bible college students from Montana Wilderness School of the Bible 
began a high school Bible study for us high school boys. Through their testimonies and their teachings of the Bible, my brother, as well as my closest friends and I, really began to get a greater grasp on our walk with Christ. After uh, my senior year of football, I started to get scholarship offers to play in college. I really didn't want to go anywhere but Montana State. So uh, I wanted to do what my good friend Tanner Ripley did and um, walk on here for the Bobcats. But by the time I started talking to the coaches, they had already filled up all their roster positions. Much to my dismay, I ended up in Haver, Montana and was playing for MSU Northern. My time there was great. It really was. Um, I was able and blessed to lead Bible studies, made some great friends there, was playing a lot for the team, but I was not satisfied with my circumstances. I felt like I wasn't getting a good education, wasn't getting the college experience that I deserved. Football wasn't fun anymore, and on and on. During this time, I was talking to Tanner on the phone um, about coming to Bozeman and walking onto the football team. I remember uh, during this time of thinking about transferring here, um, I read Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Paul said, Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This brought, this brought me a valuable lesson. I w- if I was looking for my circumstances to satisfy me, even if I was here in Bozeman, I wouldn't be satisfied or content. Paul was content in Christ and what Christ had given him. I knew my heart wasn't in the right, in, wasn't in the right place to transfer, so I decided to stay. Soon after that, even after deciding to stay in Haver, the Lord started to prompt my heart towards Bozeman. The night after my uh, last final of my semester in uh, December of 2009, 3 o'clock in the morning, I had to leave uh, to either um, pack up my bags and go to Augusta or leave my stuff in Haver because I'd be coming back the next semester. Anyways, I decided to come to Bozeman, and it was undoubtedly the best decision I've made. Since my time at MSU, I've grown spiritually, more spiritually than I ever have. To explain what Christ has done in my life, even in these past four semesters, uh, would take more than uh, a hole in cross life to explain, so I'll spare you and Andy and Tanner. But uh, this church, this fellowship we have here in Bozeman, my friends, my roommates in the dorms, Tanner and Rick, all these things have drawn me so much nearer to the Lord. I've grown in my understanding of God's character, and the gospel. He continues to sanctify me and use the platforms he gives me to minister to others for his glory. It is so good to be part of his will. Now that I've shared uh, all of this, some of you may be asking, um, so Chase, when, when did you come to know Christ? What was the point that you came to know Christ? I really don't know the point that I was saved. If I was to guess, I would say uh, it was probably sometime during high school. But to be honest, it really doesn't matter to me the exact point that God transferred me from the kingdom of darkness and put me into the kingdom of light. But one thing I do know, and that is, I'm a sinner, and I always will be. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I deserve hell and God's perfect and holy wrath for all of eternity, just as well as all of you do. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mark 115, 
Um, Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. By God's grace, I've been shown my sin, and I turn from my sin and have believed in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. I am assured that I am saved because of the faith I have put in Christ, not because of any good things I've done. I am saved by God's grace alone. He's given me so much more than I deserve. I'm thankful for him bringing me here to Bozeman and allowing me to play football and using that platform to bring him glory. Um, recently, the Lord's been showing me just how his grace spreads to all areas of our lives, not just in salvation, but to all areas of our lives. I, uh, I recently read um, in this book, Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders, as I've just been thinking about how I still at times I struggle with sin and um, I know I'm not worthy and really, it's only by his grace that he uses me and keeps me. This quote says, The axe cannot boast of the trees it has cut down. It could do nothing but for the woodsman. He made it, he sharpened it, and he used it. The moment he throws it aside, it becomes only old iron. So I praise God for his grace. If it weren't for it, I'd be but a useful heap of iron. Thanks for listening. So when Tanner asked me to give my testimony, I was absolutely terrified. I'm not one to talk much, especially in, a front, in front of a bunch of people. My flesh did not want to do this by any means. But as Anthony and Andy and I were walking from our biology class together, Andy asked, what is the purpose of giving your testimonies? Anthony simply replied, to give glory to God. At that point, I realized that I needed to do this and that my testimony is all about God, God's work in my life and not about anything that I have done. So my name is Stevie. I've grown up on a farm just outside of Highway, Montana my whole life, and I have loved it. I grew up in a Christian home where my family would go to church every Sunday and be in the center of every church-related activity. I prayed for God to enter my heart at age six and thought it was the best thing ever. I'm not going to lie, I've loved growing up in the church, but along the way I got way too caught up in the religion and the activity and all the activity within the church. I started going through the motions at a very young age. I became known as the good, quiet Christian girl. It was a label that did not reflect the feelings of my heart. I was trying to live up to everyone's expectations within our school and church. I started to become very exhausted from this. I was trying to live, up, live my life on my own without any real relationship with God. No longer was my focus on Christ. I feared man more than my Lord. I was absolutely drained from this and gradually felt like I was losing control of my life. So I came to a point where I wanted to gain that control back, yet I failed. I tried to gain control through body image, but in the process was totally destroying my health. I had an intense fear of gaining weight or becoming fat, even though I was extremely underweight. My parents didn't know what to do with their child. Their child had never given them much trouble. They would ask, why are you doing this, Stevie? I was doing it out of pure selfishness. I always knew that what I was doing was bad and that I was not only ruining my health, but ruining my relationship with my closest friends, family, and most importantly, my God and Savior. I wanted perfection and control, yet got loneliness and despair. But by God's grace, he delivered me from that dark period in my life. 
I still struggle with that sin, and it's something that I have to work on consistently. But I've found great peace through God and know that I can go to him with that, when that temptation comes around. One verse that helps me through these temptations is Psalms 139, 13, and 14. It says, For you were created... For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God made me with his perfect, perfect hands, and the thought of that is just so amazing. I did not realize God's greatness and love at the time, though. My heart was empty and ached for something real. I knew that the only, only cure for this ache in my heart was to repent and believe, but instead I ran away from any kind of relationship with him. But by God's all-surpassing love, I was broken. He saved my life and brought my sin into the light. I remember running into my house after a bad car accident in which, in human terms, I should have died, and my mother calmly saying, God has a plan for your life, Stevie. At that point, I realized that I'm not here on earth for my benefit, but for the benefit of Christ Jesus, and that he has complete and utter control of me. I finally began to understand the great sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary. For me, I saw my sin, for it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He bore my sins on that cross, though. A gift that's greatness is not comprehensible. In 1 John 4, 9 and 10, it says, um, For this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that... We loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. It is by God's unconditional love that I have eternal life. I realized that there was no way that my supposable good works in the church or anywhere else would get me to heaven, but it was solely by God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says... Um, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. This gift of life and salvation is one not to take advantage of. It's a gift that can't be earned, but received with gratitude, praise, and joy. Nothing compares to the greatness of knowing that God loves and that God saves. I love the hymn, It Is Well in My Soul. The words of the second and third verses have such power and meaning behind them. They say, Though Satan should buffet, through trials should come, let the blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. O sin, O the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross, I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I can't say that a dramatic 180-degree transformation, but it was a more of a slow process. And it wasn't easy all the time. There were struggles, stumbling blocks, yet an overwhelming joy and happiness. And God is continually amazing me with his grace and mercy and perfect love. Recently, I've been working on continually trusting the Lord with my whole life. I've always been a homebody, so taking the step into the college life was a real struggle. I didn't want to leave my house, my family, and my comfortable lifestyle. I struggled with where to attend college and trusting that the Lord would guide me to where I should be. Even, though, even through my doubts, the Lord delivered. Jesus knew the whole time where I needed to be. In Jeremiah 29:11, it says, For I know the plans, that, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 
He took me somewhere that I could have never imagined. I had I realized that his will for my life is worth, worth following and that he is worthy of that following. The Lord has blessed me, blessed me with so many wonderful people here at MSU. He has blessed me with great sisters in Christ, including Jennifer, Lauren, Lindsay, Morgan, Julia, Haley, and many others that have only helped aid and strengthen my relationship with God. If I had stayed at home where I was comfortable, would I have ever gained this fellowship? Probably not. I realize that fellowship is essential for the Christian walk. Even though some days I long to be home, God continually shows me not only the importance of personal and individual aspect of my relationship with him, but the need for surrounding oneself with fellow believers. In Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says... Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful, and let us consider and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not let us not give up on meeting together as some are in habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I'm confident in saying that Jesus Christ is my Lord, God and Saviour, and that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One song that I hold dear to my heart is I'm Not Skilled to Understand. It is a wonderful hymn that has recently been remade into a great new song. I challenge you to really pay attention to the words being sung and hold fast to the glory of the risen King. Thank you. Thank you guys for shepherding us in worship. My name's Andy. I'm going to introduce uh, the last two folks who are going to be giving their testimony. We're very intentional about every so often giving people the opportunity to share what God is doing in their life. And the reason being, I think a lot of times we get this idea, we go to church and we listen to a guy who God's working in his heart, and we're like, wow, someday maybe I'll love God like that. But like... What we're doing tonight is being a Christian, being in a church, is being part of a body. And Christ says, I am building the church. And what you are witnessing is Christ working in different people's hearts and their lives. And they're being changed. Pastor Brian says something on Sunday mornings that really impacts me. He says, you know, what I have to say really isn't that important. But what God has to say is eternally important. And then he gets us to open up the Word of God. Now, so what is a testimony? It's a person standing up talking. But, and I, I used to listen to people's testimony. This is going to sound weird. But I listened to people's testimony as a career. When I would um, work for a camp, I'd listen to people's testimony day in and day, day out. And I loved it. And I'd say, could you share your testimony with me? And they would say, well... I don't really have a very exciting testimony. It's kind of boring. And we get this idea when we, when we think of our testimony that it should like be like gnarly or something. What that is, is it's, it's wanting to say, to talk about us. And if you listen to people's testimony this evening... I hope you don't walk away 
thinking, wow, that was, a, that was a crazy testimony. I hope what they have to say is not really that important about themselves. But you leave and you say, wow, God is pleased to use people who are sinners and extract glory and claim it for his own self. That's what a testimony is. And that's, what we're, that's why we challenge you when you think of your testimony. Does God's word pop into your head? Is that what is doing the work? Because God's word does not return void. That's what God uses his word. It impacts my head and changes my heart. That's what we've been hearing this whole night. It's just God's word. To God be the glory. Next, Anthony is going to be coming up. I was listening to his testimony throughout the week, and I'm thinking, man, what a testimony of a man being, my chains are gone. Remember that song we sang? That's Anthony's testimony. And then after that, Tiffany. Tiffany's going to be giving her testimony. Philippians says, let this mind which was in Christ be in you. And then it goes on to talk about how Christ served. Tiffany's testimony is of a young lady who God has prompted her to serve. And not in a way that she's very comfortable with. And that just speaks of what God is doing, not of what they are doing. So I'm going to ask Anthony to come up, share what uh, God's doing in your, in your life, and then after Anthony, Tiffany. There you go, brother. A lot of people. <laughs> and this is just really a privilege. I'm really glad Tanner and Andy asked me to do this. And um, yeah, may God be glorified through all this. Um, okay, so I'm Anthony Skinner, and uh, I'm 20 years old. I was raised in Shota, Montana. I'm the youngest of four boys. I was raised actually in a Catholic family. I went to church every Sunday, went to Sunday school. I believed in God. I was a pretty good little boy. I listened to my parents, and I wanted to be exactly like my dad in every way possible. And then junior high rolled around, and something happened. <laughs> Rome, Romans one twenty one says, for, all the, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is when I was first introduced into, to, to pornography. Not knowing what I was getting into, I became an adulterer at heart by the age of 13. Matthew five twenty-seven through 28 says, You have heard that it is said, You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, and, so this is what ended up happening according to Romans 1, 24-25. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their impurity. Their, <laughs> Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dis- dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, whom is blessed forever. Amen. Entering into high school, I began, I began taking real interest in girls around me. It started out good, but the more I, but the more I did, I'll hold this, <laughs> but the more I did with them, the less I was satisfied. I was going well beyond where I should have been, and this was driven by pornography which by now had become an addiction. It left me wanting more and more. About this time, 
My brothers who had started a Bible her my brother who had started attending a Bible college laid a cold hard truth on me. He heard he heard me use the Lord's name in vain, and man did he let me know let me know what I had done. I knew the commandment, thou shalt not lose the Lord's name in vain, but what I didn't know was the second half of that commandment. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. At this point, my brother told me I had sinned before a perfect God and this and that I needed to ask for forgiveness, otherwise I would be going to hell. So how could he say this? Psalms ninety six, nine through ten says Worship the Lord in splendor of his, <laughs> worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. What this is saying is God is holy, meaning he is perfect. He cannot tolerate imperfection in his presence, otherwise it defiles his holiness. I do not know whether I was saved here or not. I may have prayed the sinner's prayer, but I do not see true repentance or the Spirit of Christ acting in my life. But why are these important? Repentance says, and what is repentance? Repentance is asking for forgiveness and turning 180 degrees away from sin and going towards God. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. And why do we need the Spirit? Romans 8.9 says, And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. I may not have been saved, but I do see this. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. God is extremely reluctant to give up on lost sinners, even for those of you who are here tonight and are still far off from him. It was nearly three years after that prayer, while indulging in all that sin, that God finally got a hold of me. My brother started a Bible study and invited me to start coming. I began going with reluctance, but I'm so glad I did. Those people loved on me and were actually interested in what I had to say and do. I could not help but want to be around them. This is where God grabbed a hold of my life, and I can no longer turn my back on him. I can look at this point and say that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.6. Christ began to take a hold of my life, and I can no longer be like the church in Laodicea, who were called lukewarm. And Jesus said in Revelation 3.16, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my, my mouth. I began wholeheartedly seeking God's life for me. He started convicting me of sin in my life that I would have not recognized earlier. And scripture became living and practical, making more, me more and more into the man of God I was supposed to be. The summer after my graduation, God finally empowered me to both overcome my addiction to pornography and to treat my girlfriend as one of his daughters and not just as an object of pleasure. While this is going on, I applied to a one-year Bible college called MWSB. Chase. <laughs> yeah, pretty close there. Um, and was actually accepted. I began attending in the fall of 2010. I'll be honest, this place straight up rocked my world. The head guy up there said it the best way possible. It's more fun than anyone deserves to have. It was not only that, 
but he gave me some of the most precious friends I could ever ask for. We played together, we prayed together, we studied together, we cried together, but most importantly, we, we grew together and towards God. When the year came to a close, it was bittersweet to see everyone go, but how can we be a light to this dark world if we are only lights to other lights? This is where Jesus says in Matthew five fourteen through 16, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to God who is in, or give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And this is where my heart lies now, bringing glory to the Father by being a light to others. The only way this is possible, though, is by being a new creation. As 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Jesus has to come in, take your heart, and replace it with the heart of flesh. Now that I've been maturing in Christ, one of my new goals is to show and spread the love of Jesus in the world. He's been taking me, <laughs> he's been prompting me to take small steps in, my, in this goal by witnessing to the guys in my dorm. It's a slow process, but God is faithful and will be faithful in bringing fruit. But if you cannot believe my testimony, believe the word of God. 1 John 5, 9 through 12 says, If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God, testimony of God is greater for this is the testimony of God, or for this is the testimony of God that He is born concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. Whoever does not believe in God has made Him out to be a liar, because He has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning His Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Thank you for letting me share his story about my life. Did we get the pictures figured out? I totally didn't check. Hey, awesome. Uh, my name is Tiffany Schmitz. Um, I moved here, just a brief summary of kind of how I got here, um, and then I'll move into actually about the trip that we went on. Um, I moved here to Bozeman in May of last year, and I uh, was introduced to an organization called Vision Beyond Borders. Um, they're based here out in actually Four Corners. And while I was unemployed looking for a job, I volunteered there almost full-time. <laughs> and uh, I got to know them and their purpose, and I uh, just got a heart for wanting to be involved with them. And the, the purpose, overarching purpose, is they um, focus in on getting Bibles in local languages to closed countries, specifically Southeast Asia, China, um, some in Nepal and India, and then a little bit in Romania. They help some orphanages and stuff. Um, so I'd been helping out there about maybe a month and a half, two, and God really laid on my heart to um, look into this trip going to Laos. And I'm like, oh, I'd never been out of the country. This is my first trip anywhere outside of the U.S. If you count driving over the borders on the north and south of the states. <laughs> That's as far as I went. Um, so 
and I'm gonna try and stick as close to what I wrote down as possible. They're like, you have five minutes. And I'm like, how am I gonna get this in five minutes? So um, I'm gonna try and stick as close to pot as possible. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know where Laos is, it's right there, it's that tiny little country. Um, Vietnam is to the east, and Thailand is the brown south. Um, it's a landlocked, tiny little country. Um, in a population of 6.5 million, really not very many, 61% uh, about are Buddhist, and uh, less than 2% are Christians. Um, so in uh, December, the 10th, or no, the 12th through the 22nd, Tanner Ripley and Tyler Winthian, I don't know, I haven't seen him yet, he's probably around, but um, hey, over there. Uh, the three of us, along with 11 other people, um, had the opportunity to travel to Laos, and um, the, our main mission was delivering packages consisting of MP3 players loaded with New Testament and hymns um, in the local language, the Jesus film, also in local language, and a shortwave radio that was programmed to a Christian station in Thailand so they would be able to turn it on and hear Christian music and um, scripture and stuff. Um, and it was all in the Mian language, is a specific people group in Laos. Um, between the 16 of us on our team, uh, we were asked to deliver two of these packets to 41 villages um, throughout northern Laos. And um, the missionary that works in northern Laos gave us the names and locations of all these small, small Mian villages um, so that we could go out and do what he could not. Um, it was severely dangerous for him to random, like, to make that much travel and bringing that much material with him and not raising, raising suspicion. Um, Laos is also a communist country, so it is closed to Christianity in, in many aspects. Um, we were able to get in, make the drops, and get out without raising too much suspicion, as far as we know, and hopefully without making any connection back to our contact, because it, the, you know, it was really important to be like, we could not connect our activities with the local missionary who was living there. Um, he was an American, he's an American, he married to a Lao woman, if he would be found out, um, he'd get deported, and who knows what happened, what would happen to his wife. Like, people just disappear in those countries. <laughs> um, so, um, verse Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And uh, throughout this whole trip, I just kept thinking, we weren't really evangelizing necessarily. Obviously, there was a huge language barrier, so it was really hard to communicate anyway. But like verbally, we weren't being able to do a lot of the evangelism. It was getting the, the word of God in the hands of people and letting God work through his word purely. Like, there's nothing we could do. We like, here's materials, and we had to leave and say, and you pray over that village and be like, okay, God, you have to work through and you have to communicate and can get them to figure out how to turn the things on and get things figured out and hopefully they don't get confiscated or whatever or fall into the wrong hands. And um, So it was really a good 
it was really good for me to trust the Lord just to be like, he's going to provide and his word will not return void. Um, you want to go to the next one? Um, this was our one of our first drops. And uh, <clears throat> we generally didn't have any known believers in the area. Um, like names of people. We generally didn't have names of people to drop off these packages to. And there were many times it was amazing to see how God would just direct us to the right person. Like we'd be walking through this village or driving through this village and we'd like wave at certain, like wave at people, say hi. And some people, I would just get this feeling like don't, don't talk to them, just keep walking, don't connect with them. And then a few steps down the way you walk by and somebody smiles and you're like, give it to them. You know, it was just really neat how easy it was, in many ways, really easy to know this is where it's supposed to go. Um, and this is one of the villages. We just happened to walk into a village, and um, what's really funny is I'm standing there, and there's a TV right behind me, <laughs> and they have cell phones. It's really, but they live in dirt huts like that. It's really interesting. <laughs> um, I just actually recently looked up Voice of the Martyrs um, is also somewhat connected in that area, and they posted an article on January 6th of this year, so a couple weeks ago. Um, and it tells of eight church leaders in Laos who were arrested for celebrating Christmas on the 16th of December. Um, one eventually was released when he paid for the fines, which is like uh, three weeks' wages for them and about $125 U.S. for three weeks. Um, the police were following them, reportedly, because they were actively building the church and spreading the faith. And uh, although one leader, another leader was released December 23rd, after paying the fine, uh, the remaining six are still in prison. So um, in the past few years, the Christ many Christians in Laos have faced imprisonment, experienced family or village rejection, and have received threats because of their faith. Many Laotians consider Christianity a Western religion and a threat to Laotian identity. They really want to preserve their culture, so it's hard to be like coming in with a new identity in many ways. Um, next slide. This is <laughs> this is how we traveled um, throughout, uh, mostly on bike, not actually on boat. But um, the guy in the middle, he, um, the guy in the middle and the guy on the right were both on my team, and the guy in the middle had never ridden on a motorcycle, let alone ridden with someone behind him. <laughs> like he hadn't even been anywhere near a bike, and uh, we were needing to travel about 70 kilometers, however far that is in miles, um, on dirt roads in dangerous country, like not tar, flat roads. And uh, it was com in completely incredible just how God provided. Second uh, Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Um, this guy was able to pick, pick up riding a bike. I was completely amazed. Um, within a couple hours, maybe an hour, we had a five-hour bike ride ahead of us. And uh, the first hour, he had it figured out and was fairly safe. And like it was just, <laughs> I do say fairly. Um, but it was incredible because we were able, God provided him with the ability and the know-how and like just a feel for a bike that he had never really been on and didn't know what to do. And, um, and he was able to 
cart us around quite, quite a bit. So it was really amazing how God provided. Um, it is truly a miracle that we didn't have any major injuries on that whole trip. Um, you could definitely see, I definitely knew people were praying for us as well as I was praying for us. <laughs> but um, just to keep us safe and to keep us on our path. You know, we were very single-minded, like, this is our mission. This is what we need to do. We're traveling around, and this is, you know, this is God's mission. It's not even our mission. And um, there are many times where I was like, God, I don't know how we're going to do this, but you want this to happen, and so you're going to make it happen, not by any of our abilities or our attempts at trying to make things work. (laughs) So uh, let's do the second slide. Um, This one, it was really hard to actually take a picture of what happened. I was trying to select a few pictures that described a little bit what happened, which is really difficult. Um, But uh, Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Um, I took this picture, and along with a couple other ones, um, standing at a police checkpoint uh, with a backpack full of Hmong Bibles, waiting for our guide, who had randomly just disappeared. <laughs> he just walked away, and I was like, oh, thanks for everything. Uh, <laughs> I think he had to make a phone call or something, but he just didn't say anything. He just left. <laughs> and uh, and I was, we were waiting for the other two bikes to catch up with us, so I was absolutely alone, not knowing the language. Um, and I had nowhere to turn and nothing to rely on except the Lord. And I could almost audibly hear the Lord ask me, do you really trust me? <laughs> and uh, it was <laughs> one of the most poignant points of the trip for me because um, I struggled with I struggled with fear quite a bit, um, not knowing the language, not knowing if I'm going to be able to communicate enough to get out if I have a trouble, you know, like not having anything to control or prepare for. Or um, so it was really it's really challenging and really good. Grew, grew my faith a lot, and God showed up in so many different ways of just providing exactly what we needed at exactly the right time. Um, this verse, the Isaiah 41, um, it truly gave me amazing comfort and peace and helped ease my fears of the unknown and of the known. Um, oh, and I found, the, the, I think, the best the best way that I found peace was just knowing that God had placed me there for a reason. And it really had nothing to do with me or what I wanted or what I felt comfortable with. It had everything to do with his purpose. And he wanted the word, his word to get to these me and people. And he chose to use me. He chose to use our group of 16 people. Um, and it didn't have to be me. You know, He reached down and touched my heart in the middle of the summer and said, look, I want you to go here. And it's going to be crazy, and it's going to be scary, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> um, so um, a couple of things that I learned just overall. Um, I really got a new understanding, a really new understanding of what it means to trust the Lord with my very life um, and to truly know that he cares and that he values my life and our lives and the lives of the people that we were able to minister to. Um, I also learned, I think the first thing I came back with was, we serve a God who's more powerful than anything we could encounter. Um, more powerful than governments that try and stop us. More powerful than um, fear that tries to 
um, cripple us. You know, he is more powerful, and he just was so willing and happy to, I could just see his joy to be like, look, look, I can do this because I want to. And, uh, and the, finally, he, deli- he delights to use anyone who is simply willing to do whatever he asks of them. We don't have to be well qualified, which I didn't feel qualified at all. <laughs> um, we just have to be willing, and no matter what the cost. And he is strong in our weakness. Um, so if you guys have any questions, I know that really wasn't like my testimony necessarily. If you're curious to hear that, um, I'll be around tonight or whenever. Just come on up and you can ask me. So thank you. couple thoughts before you leave. Go ahead and have a seat. What's the last thing Pastor Brian always says before we leave on Sundays? Go and be salt and light. What in the world does that mean? What does it mean to go and be salt and light? It means go and be a testimony. And not of yourself, but of light. If you're a testimony of any other thing, <laughs> you're, you're bitter and dark. You're not salt and light. But if you are a testimony of God working in you, and don't, he doesn't say go and talk about salt and light, he says go and be salt and light. That's, that, that's our testimony Monday to Saturday as we walk about our jobs and our campus, wherever we're at, at home with our kids, on a trip, we are to be a testimony or to, to be the aroma of Christ, not of anything else. Not of ourselves. What is your testimony? Like when people see you, is God glorified? Not always. Lord, let that be. May we be salt and light. Um, I don't think we mentioned it earlier. March 2nd, we're having a men's and women's advance. Going to be talking and challenging challenging you in, in, in the scripture. God's Word. We have some great speakers that have agreed to come and teach. If you're interested, there are sign-ups straight out those doors, and there'll be some ladies there to answer questions and help you sign up. Also, if you would like to help with the kids, sometimes, it, sometimes there's children here, sometimes there's not, but if you're willing to serve that way, there's also sign-ups out there with Chris and Susan. And... Uh, I don't think there's anything else to be said other than we love you guys. We're so glad you're here. If you're brand new, hi. You're dismissed. <laughs>